Welcome to Transformative Talk. Each episode is hosted by a different graduate student in Dr. Haddad's courses at the University of Texas in San Antonio. Join us today as we explore how educators can use critical social theories to transform themselves and their classrooms. Educators can get real and share real-life experiences, near misses, and big little wins. This is Mark. And Kimberly. Your host for this episode of Transformative Talk. In this very special episode, we're going to be talking to Dr. Tim Wesley, who is currently running for U.S. Congress for Texas's 15th U.S. Congressional District. Good afternoon, Dr. Wesley. Hello, good afternoon. Dr. Wesley is a former professor with DeVry University and a current adjunct instructor with the University of Phoenix, where he currently facilitates world religion and critical thinking courses. He is a veteran with the United States Army, where he served a total of seven years on active duty and a year in the Texas National Guard. He is a former mail carrier with the United States Postal Service, a former public school teacher, an ordained and licensed former pastor, and an author of numerous books, including The Elevations of Life, The Power of Poetic Praises, and 21 Keys and Power Steps to Success. He is also a father and grandfather. Again, please welcome Dr. Tim Wesley. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Wesley. My pleasure. We understand that you're running for Congress. Yes. And we'd like to talk to you about some of your thoughts about your stance on multicultural education and the classroom. Okay, sounds good. Uh, our first question is, what would you do to ensure education is more tailored to students' individual needs and empowers active learners that feel ownership of their academic journey? Okay, one of the things we have to look at when it comes to tailoring things for students. Uh, one, based on the region that you're in, that's gonna be one of the things to consider. Uh, some regions, you're gonna have things like farming that, and agriculture that's gonna be important. So have to make sure that those programs at those universities and schools are tailored towards that. Um, as an organization, college or university, trade schools, et cetera, it's, uh, they must have excellent counseling. And so that's gonna be important. That's gonna be one of the first things that students will see will be that academic counselor. And so as they see that counselor, it's important for those counselors to engage with the students to find out what their true intent is and their long-term intent. If they can find it out, they can begin to tailor specific programs for them. And, and when I say specific, a student may look and say, I'm interested in law, but it doesn't mean they want to be an attorney. They may want to be a paralegal. They may say, I'm interested in the medical field, but it doesn't mean they want to be a doctor. They may want to go into nursing. And so those specific degree plans are gonna be important form from the beginning so they don't waste time. So that'll be important. As far as um, the classroom to tailor things to students, uh, what I've found as a professor in the classroom is that uh, day one is important. Um, I, the things I'll mention, you can't apply across the board so they won't be generalized, but day one is important and that you have to be able to connect with the students in smaller um, classrooms, smaller settings, you can connect with the students. Even if it takes dedicating an hour to find out who they are, some of their interests, things about them. And in doing so, you can now begin to tailor, if you know the content of your course, you can begin to tailor certain questions, certain weeks of education pursuits, et cetera, towards those students and get them involved. 
but nevertheless, um, the most important thing from the beginning would be the counseling portion and making sure that the student has ownership by giving uh, the students milestones to say at a certain point, let's go back and revisit with your educational plans, revisit with your degree plan. And if by chance something changes, because I've heard horror stories of students getting two years in, three years in, and almost finishing up and say, you know what, I really didn't want this degree. Well, when did you find this out? <laughs> I knew two years ago. Why didn't you say anything? I thought I was stuck with this degree plan. Mm -hmm. So it's important for us to have the conversation to let them know at a point, any point you want to make a change, come see a, a counselor, a speaker one. I agree, as a science teacher, I yes. have a hard time with students just saying they wanna be a doctor when truly they're interested in medicine, but the field of medicine is larger than just a doctor. Yes. I try to show them that there's public health, there's research, there's discovering the drugs that are gonna cure diseases that are still prevalent in our society today. And so I think I try to open their mind and I would love encouragement and help from counselors in that department where you don't have to be so narrow-minded in a career field. Yes. And younger and younger, they're starting to open their minds to the possibility of what they want to do. And yeah. being able to explore that, but change your mind. Absolutely. <laughs> indeed, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much for that insight. Uh, Dr. Wesley, how will you ensure schools cultivate engaged and informed citizens ready to work together across differences and actively participate in our democracy? Now, from a... Um, Academic point of view, of course, as a professor in the classroom, that's going to be a little easier in that. I can encourage my students to engage with their local government. I can encourage them to do projects, et cetera, which I can put into the curriculum, um, and that way they can engage. However, from a governmental standpoint, it may be a little more difficult because what we find, especially with higher education, there is a certain level of autonomy. And likewise, with your K through 12 public schools, they have a certain level of autonomy throughout state to state, district to district. And so it's a little more difficult. Uh, but what we can do, we can make sure that, for example, if we were to look at a community college or even a four-year university institution, they typically will have a student government uh, that's available. And so what we can do, we can encourage not only students to participate in student government, but we can use the, the media outlets such as uh, the Facebook pages that the schools may have. We can use their email blasts, et cetera, and let them know the accomplishments that student government is doing. That not only encourages uh, the other students, but it also encourages the student government body to say that we're not just here as figureheads, we are actually making a difference and the university is actually listening. And so they can get a chance to experience what student, student government can do. And um, uh, finally, at uh, the most intimate level in the local classroom, that's a government in itself. If the professors or instructors are able to say, you have a say in what takes place, you have a say because that room is set up as a democracy in itself, you have a say. If they can allow them to have ownership in the classroom and show them that, hey, let's vote on this assignment, let's vote on which direction we'll go here, um, that allows them to experience the reward and also the risk of participating with government. So putting the agency in the students' hands. Absolutely. And that's what, that's what happens in society. And so um, our worst case scenario is that a person goes through college. They finish up their two years, four years, finish up trade school. They get out into society and all of a sudden they're working for a company and they find themselves up against a wall because of regulations or because of new laws. And they are trying to figure out how do I get involved? Well, at that point, it's already a little late, not too late, but it's a little late. And so at that point, we want to make sure that they can move forward and get things done.
So uh, finally, at the most intimate level, when we look at the local classroom, including with the online environment, this can offer a platform for students to participate in our society beyond the boundaries of the classroom. For example, you can have discussions when students could be required to write something on current events, and they can submit opinion pieces to papers. You know, we call those things op-eds. They can call into radio shows, et cetera. And so those can be part of the assignments, and that allows the student to actually get outside of the classroom, local and online line and participate in the democracy. Awesome. All right. Good idea. All right. Um, our third question is, how will you empower educators to develop flexible environments that recognize that learning happens in different places at different times and in different ways inside and outside of school? Well, Kim, now that I know that you've worked in the classroom and work in the classroom as well, yep. uh, you know how it is when it comes to K through 12, and this is across the United States, uh, standardized testing. Yes. I just simply say standardized testing. That does something to teachers that I've run across, including those I work with in the past. And so uh, what happens because the standardized tests tend to rule um, in your K-2 uh, through 12 environment, there's such a focus on the test that the teachers have become almost mechanical in their teaching, their behavior, and they're stressed out to a certain extent as well, trying to achieve the desired measures for those test results for students. And so we must uh, get to a point where we begin to encourage the value of learning outside of the classroom. Uh, one example, if we were to look at things such as museums or locations such as museums uh, with the rich history, we can have uh, students go there because if you've ever gone to a museum, a place like that, they typically will have guides that are extremely knowledgeable. They're packed with information. They have tons of information. They themselves are teachers. They're instructors. And so they can begin to show the student and teach them things that are outside of the classroom. In addition to that, uh, those lessons can spurn independent learning and independent research. And so that's what we have to consider as well. And these things can supplement the text. And so it's important for us to make sure we choose the right location. When I was coming up as a kid, they just took field trips, seems like to take field trips. But now you have to make sure it's specific to learning. Mm -hmm. As we look here in right, Texas, right. specific to the TEKS, making yes. sure how could I make sure this is falling under TEKS and associated to it uh, with it. Um, and also when we look at higher learning, uh, there's definitely some more flexibilities with the students because they're typically going to be adults. Uh, if they work better in the twilight hours, because people know that some are morning people, some are evening people, some are overnight people. Uh, there's definitely going to be um, uh, availability of knowledge and online uh, learning opportunities, and uh, this must be prevalent as well. And one example is that I teach world religions, as you mentioned in the intro. One of the things I would have my students doing to make sure that they're not only engaged, but they're being able to learn in different places, different times from different people, I will encourage them through one of the assignments to attend a mosque, go to a mosque, attend a Buddhist temple, uh, write about that. It could be for extra credit, it can be a part of the assignment, but they come back and they can also discuss what did you learn? Mm -hmm. What were your experiences? And what we find is that not only does it supplement what's in the text, but it also expands greatly their knowledge and appreciation of what they're learning. Very good, yeah. All right, absolutely. All right, well, we have just a few moments here. We'll return in just a minute, and here's a quick word from our sponsor. Well, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that word from our sponsor. We're here with Dr. Tim Wesley. Dr. Wesley, thank you for being with us today. Yes, indeed, my pleasure. All right, moving on, we have another question for you, Dr. Wesley. As a future congressman for the state of Texas, what will you do to raise teacher salaries and help strengthen teacher preparation? That's one that, again, from a 
professor's point of view, someone who's been in the classroom, I remember saying, uh, what salary would be good enough? What salary would be sufficient to keep me in the classroom? Right? As you notice, I am a former middle school teacher, <laughs> former elementary school teacher. And I remember being in the classroom and saying, man, you know, I don't know what number is going to be great, but I did come to the conclusion that teachers do not get paid enough. They do not get paid enough. They're with uh, the children throughout the day, more so than parents in many cases. And so with that being said, it's going to be tough um, from a governmental point of view, especially at the federal level. That, I think, is best left to the states. And even more so, it breaks down to the school districts because um, we know that how things are set up, particularly in, in Texas, for example, uh, the taxes that's taking place. What are the uh, homeowners paying in taxes, et cetera, uh, when bonds are passed, et cetera. This is going to have an influence on the amount of uh, uh, available income uh, that school district can pay teachers. So that's going to be important. However, with many professional, uh, professions, people will tend to associate the salary to the value of the position. And so one of the things that we can do, and I say we, we're talking about society as a whole, we can begin to show how valuable teachers are um, at every point and every juncture of a student's learning and life because when students succeed outside of the classroom, they tend to come back to the third grade teacher or to a, a middle school teacher, someone who impacted them, who influenced them. These stories we have to make sure are prevalent and before the people. So when bond time comes, when it's time to vote on um, money available for uh, teacher salary, these things must be discussed. Um, beyond that, uh, without a doubt, teachers have extreme value in shaping who will be our future leaders of tomorrow. So we must encourage states, school districts, uh, et cetera, to convey that properly in order to justify funding requests when it comes down to teacher salary. Further, I would include data. You have some people that they just want to know. Right, what, right, give me right. some data. Let me see what you're talking about. I would include data as to how losing quality teachers due to low pay impact students, schools, and ultimately society. And so this is going to be important. Once you lose a quality teacher, because teachers are leaving on a yearly basis, they're going into other professions. Right. Many will look and say, I will take a little less money at certain times, right, because of the level of stress with the standardized tests, et cetera than to continue to do what I'm doing. Some will look and say, you know what, I can utilize my skills and my education to make more money and don't have to deal with uh, the stresses that come along with teaching because there are some, but there are many rewards that keep teachers in the field. Um, but beyond that, I would say that I would include the data uh, to st uh, strengthen teacher preparation and that's one of the things you mentioned. Uh, that's going to definitely start um, at the training programs and at the universities. It's so important to make sure that you have people that are teaching at the universities that have actually been in the classroom. I'm talking about people that's gone through it, people that hadn't just gotten book knowledge, but people that have experience in the classroom. Those are going to make some of your greatest trainers, some of your greatest professors um, that have actually gone through it. So when people are asking questions, there's no doubt as to them giving answers of relevance saying I've gone through it. And so uh, finally, I would look and say, if we have funds, and this is going to be important again with the funding, if you have enough funding, and, and that's where I believe the federal government can come in at, if we're working with the Department of Education and we're saying that, okay, uh, the state of Texas, you all have an initiative to make sure that you raise the quality of teachers. We want to make sure we have grants available for you so that if we have first-year teachers, we can have team teaching taking place so that our first-year teachers have an opportunity to go in the classroom with the subject matter expert, someone who's excellent at that job, and they have a buffer for at least that first year to learn how to be excellent in teaching. 
then that's going to more than likely keep that teacher around one and it's going to allow that excellence to continue. And so that many won't do it because it costs the same amount to put one teacher in a classroom as it does to put mm -hmm. two. But if we can grant fund that, then we can make, make sure we have encouragement and incentive for them to do it. So I think those things are going to be important, but it goes back to the preparation at the training level first. Awesome. Agreed. And I think that one of the things we need to teach our teachers is how to be their own PR agents. I think that too many teachers are humble, which is not necessarily a bad thing, um, but they need to start tuning their horns about the great things they're doing in the classroom because the news agencies aren't only going to cover the negative stories Absolutely. that are happening because they're salacious and that's what brings people in to watch the news. But there's so many good things happening in schools, like you said, and that there needs to be a way to get that platform out so that when it comes time to vote, people care about teachers and they see the positive influence that a teacher's had. I want to spin off that, Kim. You, you, I'm glad you brought that up. At one point, I taught in a Fortune 500 company, and I taught ESL to people from seven different countries. And one of the things we did, we had a relationship with the uh, state of Texas, mm -hmm. and we provided them with a newsletter. In that newsletter, we showed everything that we were doing. I showed uh, progression data as mm -hmm. to how this people from seven countries were moving along, learning the English language. And we talked about things in detail and gave data to back it up. That encouraged the state to say, we want this program to continue mm -hmm. and we want to put more money towards it. And so we can do the same thing. Imagine for just a moment if school districts were to say, teachers, let's get all the information. Give us all your excellent points of what you've done over this term. Let's put it together in a nice newsletter and let's take some of the funding that we have, discretionary funding that we've tagged for this. Let's send these newsletters out, not only in hard copy, because many people will not open an email, but they will open a letter <laughs> mm -hmm. that's handwritten. Mm -hmm. So let's make it a project and let's have the students handwrite their home addresses and let's get these letters out to the parents. And at that point, they now see what's taking place in the classroom. So when it comes time for a bond issue, a vote, it's easier to say this is justified. We've seen over the last three or four cycles all these letters coming through as to what you all are doing in the classroom and people more likely to say we know it's a value. We see what's going on and they'll vote in favor. So it's adding that level of transparency on top of it. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so our last question is going to be what will you do to ensure our neediest children have access to teachers that hold and deliver on high expectations for all students? And then on top of that, will you offer equity-based incentives to great teachers to work in high-needs schools? Okay, with this one, of course, this is definitely uh, going to be somewhat of a continuation of the salary discussion. Unfortunately, with many of the Title I schools, um, they may struggle to attract and both keep those high-quality teachers. Why? Because as Title I schools, they're typically going to have about 40% or more of the students that are coming from low-income families, which equates to less, a fewer taxes that's going to be available for bonds etc which means that the pay available to pay keep and attract those high quality teachers is now challenged and so what can we do about that um, bonuses and incentives they're going to be extremely important I've worked with teachers that were getting paid five thousand dollars less than the neighboring district mm. but they remain where they're at because of a two thousand dollar bonus did it equate to $5,000? No, but it was a matter of saying, we appreciate you. Mm -hmm. We appreciate you enough to give you a bonus. Each time we have the money available, we want to give you a bonus. And so things like that will be helpful from a governmental or federal point of view. That's gonna be something that I would encourage um, to put forth through Department of Education so that school districts and states can look and say, we're gonna compete for those grants and we're gonna compete because we're a Title I school. And so if we make those grants available for Title I school, 
schools and the schools can now compete for them, they now have the resources that they did not and could not get from a bond issue available for them to keep, maintain, and attract those teachers. Agreed. I think it's important to show appreciation for teachers because teachers go into a job knowing your salary. You can look it up on any database what a public school teacher gets paid. So none of us are in it for the money or the fame, <laughs> but the appreciation goes so much more to job enjoyment and like the quality of your work. You just feel better about going to work. So I can see where a small raise to bridge a gap in income would severely help like a, a high need school. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Wesley. We certainly do appreciate your insight. Absolutely. You're more than welcome. Um, as I close, I just want to give you one closing thought. Um, with that last question, I'm a prime example because we have lots of things out there that people are challenged with when it comes down to funding and comes down to teacher salary. But I'm um, a result or uh, shall I say I'm the result of uh, public schools. You know, I, I came from public schools. I've uh, been in schools all of my life that had social uh, economic challenges. And, and so with that being said, I went to Title I schools as well. And one thing I would tell people is to make sure you continue to put out that because a student may have uh, social economic uh, challenges, it doesn't mean they can't learn. And so with that being said, we have to continue to push that message out there and encourage our citizens, parents, et cetera, to get involved. And one last point, the PTA or PTO, we have to make sure they're involved as well because they're going to be a link uh, to uh, local uh, elected leaders and appointed leaders. And so they'll be a great voice and resource to move things forward. Absolutely. Well, we certainly appreciate you sharing your information today, uh, Dr. Wesley. And if you'd love to find out more information about Dr. Tim Wesley and his run for Congress, please visit www.timwesley.com. And don't forget to go out Visit the polls this election cycle, 2020, and vote for Dr. Tim Wesley for the 15th District of Texas. All right. Thank you, Dr. Wesley, for uh, being with us today. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share, subscribe, and leave a review whenever you discovered our show. That's all for now, but we'll see you in the next episode of the Transformative Talk. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.